This evening we're going to be looking at uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 4, the first temptation of Jesus. And Matthew is going to show us who Jesus really is and what Jesus has come to do. Right? As Matthew is uh, writing to Jewish Christians, uh, he's, he's proving that this Messiah, this Jesus, is the promised Messiah. And this Jesus shows us in this text where true life is found. If I were to ask a handful of you this evening, where is true life found? Um, most of you would answer uh, correctly. True life is found in the Gospel, right? Centered on Jesus Christ Himself. That's where life is. We know that life is not in bread. Life is in Scripture, what Jesus has for us. And yet, if we look over the past week, do our lives declare that that is true? Are our lives a testament to the fact that true life is found in the Gospel of Jesus Christ? Jesus, the King of life, who we're looking at this evening, not only answers the tempter correctly, but He specifies a guiding principle whereby you and I are called to live. He gives us a rule of life, a guiding principle that directs every day of our life. And that's from Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. Jesus tells the devil, no, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This evening we're going to be looking at this king of life in three points. First, the king presented, then the king tempted, and then the king victorious. First, the king presented, the king tempted, and the king victorious. And first, we see the king presented in verses 1 and 2. Jesus, again, as he's writing to these Jews, he is proving that Jesus Christ is the Old Testament Messiah, the promised Messiah. This is the one. He is going to bring back life. He is the one who's going to reverse the curse. He's the one who's going to restore life to this dead world. The Jews have been waiting for this. This is the one. This is the king that's going to bring back life. He's going to bring the promises of the Old Testament. He's really going to do what the Old Testament prophesied. This is why John the Baptist in, in chapter 3, verse 2 says, Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's coming. It's right here. Jesus says the exact same thing a few verses after our text. Matthew 4, 17. Repent! The kingdom of God is at hand. And sandwiched between these two declarations, the kingdom is coming, we have this encounter between the king of death, the tempter, the devil himself, and the king of life, Jesus Christ. At the end of Matthew 3, we see Jesus baptized, set apart by the Father, declared to be the beloved Son of God, and equipped. Uh, the Spirit is poured out upon him. He is equipped now for the mission that he's on. 
for the mission of bringing this new kingdom, for the mission of being the king of life. And now, at the beginning of Matthew 4, Jesus is tempted in order to prove that this really is the Old Testament Messiah come. And we see in verse 1 that this trial, or this test, originates in God Himself. It is the Spirit, right, the Spirit of God, uh, who led Jesus for the purpose that He would be tempted. Now, Jesus is not tempted by God, right? James 1.13 says, God tempts no one. And yet Jesus uh, is tried by the Father through the temptation of the devil. Uh, similar to Job and Joseph, right? God uses what others meant for evil for His good purpose. And God tests Jesus through this temptation to prove that He really is the King of life. In this wilderness temptation, we see the reversal of Genesis 3. Jesus, like Eve, is face to face with the devil again. This is a new beginning. Everything is at stake. Life and death hangs in the balance. Is Jesus really going to be what Adam failed to be? Is He really going to bring life is He really going to bring His kingdom? Is He ushering in the promises of God here and now? But not only is the first temptation the background of, of this text, but the 40 days of fasting corresponds to the 40, days that is, or the 40 years that Israel was in the wilderness. This is especially connected because Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 8, speaking of uh, them, them entering in to the promised land. Yet for Jesus, the fasting comes before the temptation. The 40 days precede the wilderness temptation. The 40 days is not a punishment like it was for Israel. This is a time where Jesus is preparing himself for this messianic role. Uh, like Moses and Elijah, he's, he's spending 40 days in the wilderness praying to his Lord, uh, consecrating himself to God. He's just been baptized, equipped by the Spirit, and now he goes to commune with his Lord, to make his life in order as he goes for this ultimate, this ultimate mission. As he's prepared to, bring, to be the king, and bring his people life. So, in the mind of the Jewish readers uh, that Matthew first wrote to, something extremely significant is happening here. We are on the brink of a new reality. There's a new king being presented. A new king who is to crush the head of the serpent. Who is actually to bring God's people into the promised land. So first we see him presented. Second, we see Jesus tempted. In verse 3, we see Jesus' first temptation come when He's hungry. The, the tempter comes and says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. The tempter knows. He knows that Jesus is the King of life. He knows that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And the tempter comes to thwart God's mission. 
to disqualify the king and to consequently destroy the kingdom that God is bringing. And this temptation is perfectly suited to the Messiah. As the devil always does, he suits his temptation perfectly to Jesus. First of all, it's perfectly suited to Jesus because this is the tried and true temptation. Uh, Eve failed when she was hungry. Um, Israel failed through the temptation of food. Esau failed through the temptation of food. Daniel failed through the temptation of food. This is how the devil wins over hearts. And now the devil brings this temptation to Jesus. Not only that, uh, but, but also this temptation is perfectly suited to Jesus because this temptation is founded on God's promises of the Old Testament. The tempter uses the promises of God, twists them, and brings it to tempt Jesus. These promises are, are seen in Deuteronomy 8, the context that Jesus quotes from. And here, the Lord, our God, uses good things, good created gifts. He uses even food to have his people remember him, to have his people uh, look forward to uh, the promised land. There it says, uh, Deuteronomy 8, um, I don't remember what, let me look at what verse this is so you can follow along. Deuteronomy 8, uh, beginning at verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. The devil uses God's promise of bread, twists it to tempt Jesus. The devil is seeking to bring Jesus under his own reign. The devil is questioning the Father's provision. Why is your Father not giving you the good things that He's promised? Why are you so hungry? Don't you know this is what the Messiah is supposed to do? He's supposed to bring food and bread without scarcity. Why are you hungry? The devil wants to make bread more important than his father. He wants him to trust the devil rather than his father's words. That's why the devil commands Jesus to turn the stones into loaves of bread. This is right. This is what you are all about. Let me provide for all your needs. And isn't this how we are tempted as well? We too are in the wilderness. We too are being tried by the Lord through temptations so that we would grow. And the devil tempts us through making the words of this earth louder than the words of God. As he did with Eve. Right? He tempted Eve that his words would be louder than God's words. 
That this life actually is for living for what looks good rather than living for God. This is the way he tempted Israel. Uh, saying, uh, bringing the lie that the things of this world is more important than what God prescribes. That's why uh, they didn't trust in the Lord for their daily bread. Because they believed the lie that the devil brought. The world says that we should hunger and thirst for food, money, and our image. The world says that we should pant, use all of our time, use all of our strength, use all of our resources for the things of this world. That we deserve better. That we deserve it now. Why wait for God? Let's have these blessings here and now. And this temptation is effective. You and I often succumb to the idea that God is not really providing for us. That He doesn't really truly hear when we call to Him. That He doesn't care or see what we need or want. We often listen to the world for our life, for our joy, rather than God who orders and works everything. Have you ever lived by a lie? Have you ever ordered, um, whether it is a year or a day, according to a lie? Unfortunately, uh, my wife uh, too often orders her day around a lie. Uh, too often I tell her, uh, all right, babe, I'll be home at five. And she orders her day accordingly. Uh, she takes my word and she says, all right, that is going to structure my day. Uh, so at uh, 4.30, she begins making dinner. At 4.55, uh, she puts it on the table. It's all warm. Drinks are on the table. Kids are on the couch looking out the window waiting for Dad to get home. 5.03, she texts me and says, hey, just want to make sure you're right around the corner. And I have to call her and say, hey, babe, I'm really sorry. I'm, I'm just leaving right now. I'll be home in 15 minutes. Right? She ordered her day uh, the words that I brought changed how she acted. She lived according to what I had said. And the devil, that's exactly what he did, does all the time. He gives us a lie. He tells us, live accordingly. Live according to this, this truth. And it only brings death. It only brings death. He says, live according uh, to food or your image. That's what's going to bring you joy. And we often order our lives according to those lies. We often change how we live. We change our priorities because of the lie that the devil brings. But, in verse 4, we see the king victorious. In verse 4, we see Jesus face to face with this lie. Are you going, is this Messiah going to follow after the world and created things? Or is he going to follow after his father? 
and met with this temptation, our Savior comes out victorious. He does not take what the devil offers. He does not order his life and his decisions around the devil's lie. He knows that there is no profit in gaining the whole world and losing his soul. This king is not about created things. He's not primarily about appeasing our appetites or bringing us honor or bringing us um, the good things of this world. He is about those things. But primarily, he's about life. Life eternal. Living according to Scripture. Jesus' answer in verse 4 is a quote from Deuteronomy 8.3, as I've already said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This king of life does not live by bread alone. He lives by the word of God. His life is not ordered by created things. Every aspect of his life is seen through the lens of Scripture. Jesus knows that God's word really does equip us for life. As Jesus read, and as we read Scripture, we are really given a way to live. We are given a way to order our lives, a way to think about temptations, a way to to love, a way to live in joy, a way to live in peace. We are made to know God's we are we are to know God's word not to just occasionally look at it for for truths about life we are to live in God's word this is to be the principle upon which we live our daily lives God's word really should function as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path living upon God's word means living upon the truths of Scripture. Right? Living our lives according to the goodness of God. Living our lives under the, the umbrella of the mercy and the care and the provision of God. Living our lives under the reality uh, that God will always do what is for our good. Living according to Scripture means living according to the commands of Scripture. That sin really does bring death and pain and sorrow and no fulfillment. Living upon God's Word means living upon the promises of God. Living and ordering your life knowing that very soon Jesus is coming again. That very soon this kingdom is going to be brought here in the new heavens and the new earth. Living in the reality that very soon there's a wedding feast prepared for us with Jesus Christ Himself where we get to worship Him forever, perfectly. Living according to every one of God's Word means having our eyes fixed on the Word. Looking to God. Storing up His Word. Walking in His ways, and guarding our heart according to this Word. So it's a lie 
to think that our lives are about this earthly existence. It's a lie to think that this world is just about me. This life and this king is about true and real living, where God is our Lord. And there's a higher and truer reality that Jesus was attentive to as he defeated the devil. And that reality, that, uh, that truer reality than what the devil brought is that there is fulfillment, there is blessing, and there is life in being right with God and by following his word. It's about having a, a father who provides and cares for you. So Jesus can say no. He can resist the devil because his God is really bigger and greater than bread. Because the words of Scripture were louder to him than the words of the devil. God's voice rang truer to him than the devil's. And through Jesus' denial of the devil, as he faithfully triumphs over the devil, he is victorious. He proves to the world, he proves to you and I that he is the king. That he is ushering in this new kingdom. That in him is found life and life eternal. Jesus humbly listens to his father successfully living in a reality beyond just this earthly life. What Jesus does here in in Matthew 4 verse 4 is he really does reverse the curse that Adam and Eve brought. He's bringing life back. He's bringing a fruitful land out of a desert. He's restoring the relationship between man and God. He is this true king. And he was victorious. And this true king of life came so that you and I could be brought in so that you and I could have life. He was victorious today so that you and I could be here today, could be speaking of this king in his kingdom. He was victorious so that, as it says in Colossians 1.13, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. He was victorious so that he could give us life. Brothers and sisters, all of our lives are ordered by words. We live by words. When I tell my wife I'm bringing home pizza, she knows she lives accordingly. When I tell my son, hey, this is the last throw. If you catch this football, I'm making you hot chocolate. He lives according to that promise. He lives according to that word. He tries with all of his might to catch that football. Uh, when you look on your phone or when you, when you hear uh, the weather for the day, you live according to that word. All of our lives are ordered by words. What words do you listen to? 
Matthew's Gospel continues. This king not only faithfully destroys the devil here in our text, but he dies on the cross. And he is raised to new life. And this kingdom of life is now. It's already begun. Yes, we wait for the fulfillment of it, but right now we can live in the life that Jesus offers. Already we partake of this life. And today there are two kings. There's a king of life and there's a king of death. Do you have faith? Do you believe? Do you know your Lord and live according to his word? Or are you living according to the things of this world, following the voice of the devil all the way to his kingdom? This evening, if God's word is is nothing to you, you don't see your Savior here, Uh, You don't see a way to live here. Uh, God speaks, uh, and it's totally deaf. You're totally deaf to it. This world is so loud that that the God of Scripture is is small. There's no relationship. You don't fear fear Him. You don't see Him. All these words are, are just nothing to you. If you're blind to who God is, and to His Word. Uh, If Jesus is is not your Savior, then this Word speaks again to you right now. Come to Jesus. Because Jesus works the miracle of opening eyes, of making the deaf to hear. Jesus, right now, through his word, opens eyes and makes people to hear this word. If this word is nothing to you, you are dead. There is no life. You are following lies all the way to eternal destruction. But if you hear this word, if this word is your life, if Jesus is true, and if you strive to live for that, then there's life. Come to Jesus, for He will open your eyes. For those of us who are already in the kingdom of God, for those of us who trust Jesus as our Savior, are you living by the Word of God? Are you convinced that you have a big God? Or are you convinced that you have a big self? Is He your source of life, your comfort, your joy, your fulfillment? Are you thirsting, hungering, running after, striving after God? This week as we go out from here, let's live in the Word of God. Let's actually walk with the Lord in His Word. Let's actually open our Bibles and see the face of God. Let's hear our living God's words. Let's surround ourselves with the glory of God. Let's dwell on Jesus' death for our life. Let's drown ourselves in His love. Let's overflow ourselves with His grace. Let's come to our end and weep because of His love for us. 
found in His Word. Let this Word saturate your life. Guide how you think, feel, and act, all for His glory. And this week, as we walk through the wilderness, and as the tempter comes, and as we listen to His voice, as we fail, and then we fail again, and then we fail again, and we listen to Him, we listen to His lies, and we take them over Scripture, let's have confidence. Because we are not the King of life. We are not the one who rules over life. It is Jesus Himself. And if you are united to Him, all of your sins are gone. His righteousness is now your righteousness. His denial of the devil and submission to the Father is your denial of the devil and submission to the Father. No matter how many times we sin and fail over and over, Our Savior, the King of life, holds us. We will never see death. We are held by our Savior forever until the day when He comes back. And as we look more and more to Scripture as the source and guide to our lives, let's have this King of life be the the greatest treasure of our longing souls. Let's have Him be our true delight, our defender, our sword and shield, our song and our joy. Let this King of life and His Word really shape our lives for the glory of His name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise You and thank You that Jesus was victorious. That He reversed the curse. That He brought life. That He's ushering in this new kingdom. And we thank You, Lord, that we are in Him. That He died for us. And Lord, as as He is victorious, as He brings in new life, Lord, He gives us this rule of life. Lord, He gives us Your Word. This principle that that Your Word is life. Lord, help us to live by it more and more. Help us to love Your Word. Help it to guide our steps. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand as we uh, sing. um, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.